podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. It's the moment of the evening every K-State fan enjoys. Settle down and pour a whiskey, crack open a LaCroix. Please put your hands together and make a little noise for your favorite wildcatters, the handsome Bosco boys. Boys. Come on, boys. Boom, the boys are back. And boy, do we have another fun K-State basketball game to talk about. And folks, Jerome Tang has this team rolling at literally historic proportions. And we will talk all about it in this episode. But before we do... You know them, you should love them, and the next time you are in Manhattan, you need to stop into the brewery, and that is Manhattan Brewing Company. Not only are they brewing up the most delicious beer in the state of Kansas, not only do they have one of the coolest spots to sit back, relax, and enjoy a nice little beverage anytime you are in Manhattan, but... They got a Bosco's Boys sticker on one of their tanks right there in the brewery. I love these guys. Uh, You best believe after I settled down a little bit after that Cardiac Cats overtime win at Baylor, I cracked open a Towny Wheat for my victory beer. You know, I I tried to anoint Towny Wheat as the tailgate beer of the year. Uh, there is not going to be an official victory beer of the year. Uh, it is just Manhattan Brewing Company. Whether it be a Crowler, whether it be a four-pack, whether it be right there in the tap room themselves after every K-State dub, make sure you are celebrating responsibly, of course, with a Manhattan Brewing Company beer. All right, let's get into it. Top of the 12, Avin a laugh, K-State right up there. One of the, I, I think, the one of, if not the best records in the entire country. Right up there with KU and, of course, Iowa State. Who would have saw that coming preseason? Uh, sitting at 3-0 and in the conference. I, 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 I'm running out of positive adjectives to describe Jerome Tang and this basketball team. We'll, we'll talk about all the good stuff. Um, just to try to keep it fair and balanced, I will uh, you know, sprinkle in a little bit of the frustrations. But folks, uh, you're really having to reach for frustrations when the season is going as well as it currently is. You know, I am all about trying to keep things relatively, I don't even know what the word is. Uh, I'm not trying to sit here and then all of a sudden say, hey, look, we are going to win the Big 12. If if we don't get a one seed, it's about all like, you know, I'm trying to keep myself from doing that. But I, I tell you what, I tell you what, if this team plays up to its potential, which we have seen over the last three games, all three Versus ranked teams. Uh, this is going to be a special season. Now. 
Baylor is 0-3. West Virginia also 0-3. I, I think I think West Virginia probably not quite the team uh, that the pollsters and even pundits probably thought coming into Big 12 play. Uh, Texas is a legitimate, I think, second weekend, maybe even uh, Final Four contender. They have that sort of talent. And Baylor, back-to-back defending Big 12 champs, they're voted number one in the Big 12. Yes, they're off to a tough start. Again, uh, uh, last-second loss at home versus TCU. The overtime loss to K-State, which we'll talk about. Uh, And then a... Road loss, you know, without Cryer because uh, he was still coming back from that suspension um, at Iowa State. That one was uh, pretty ugly. But I think that they're going to bounce back, and they still will have a lot of uh, storylines in the season uh, that is this Big 12 season. But K-State is starting to get that recognition all across the country. You know, uh, th- there are... Week-to-week power rankings by individual pundits that have us in the top 10. I'll tell you this right now. If you're looking at qual wins, uh, with those two wins over Texas and Baylor on the road, I don't think there is a team in the country. I don't think there is a team in the country that has two better wins than that. I I truthfully do not, truly do not think that. Being able to grab those two wins in back-to-back games is far more impressive than anything anyone else has done in the country so far. 110%. You know, that Nevada game is looking better and better every single week. Uh, I don't know what's going on with LSU, but hey. I think we are beyond the point of talking about, you know, are we going to make the NCAA tournament, bubble watch, and all that type of stuff. Because at this point, I think it would take an absolute collapse of epic epic proportions or some massive, massive injuries to keep us out of the NCAA tournament. I, I, th- I truly think that we can get into the mode where at least for the next couple weeks, we can we can start kind of peeking and thinking about, you know, what what sort of seating. What do we need to do to get to a, you know, a top seven and then six and five seed? Every single win is checking some boxes off. And those are quality wins that allows us to start looking towards March. Now, the next three games are absolutely massive. The next three games are massive. You have a... And I'm probably doing this out of order. This is what I get for not having a nice, neat little uh, outline before we get started. But let's actually take the next five games. And then I promise, I promise... I will get to talking about this massive Texas win. But at home with Oklahoma State, at TCU, hosting KU, hosting Texas Tech, and going on the road to Iowa State. If you can come through this five-game stretch going 4-1, and one, then we 
all 100% can get on board thinking about winning a Big 12 title. That's what's going to be on the line over the next five. Now that is a steep test. That is a very steep test. We'll talk about each of those games kind of as they as they come along. Uh, but we are in that territory where, hey, we're a handful of games away from truly being able to look at that being a realistic conversation. Let's get into that Texas game because uh, we did something that I did not think was possible, and that was following up that massive offensive performance was something that, uh, or talked about that Baylor game, excuse me, talked about that Baylor game, uh, following up that offensive performance with another big night. Now, it had to go to overtime, but getting to 97 points. 97 points. Again, excuse me, the game at Baylor. Again, had to go to overtime, but shooting 53% from the floor, 44% behind the arc and 85% from the free throw line. After, you know, starting Big 12 play, what, that first eight minutes, uh, not able to get a field goal, you know, that's that's hyperbole. But, you know, after that start, you know, I I started really spazzing out. I started, you know, I, I was worrying a little bit inside Bramlage Coliseum. But from the moment they finally turned it on on offense at home versus West Virginia, they really haven't turned back. And we saw it once again uh, in that game at Baylor. And doing it back-to-back games on the road, you got to love it. You got to love it. Now, here I am. I'm going to sprinkle in some of the, I I would hope folks don't take this as negativity, but going to kind of sprinkle in a little bit of the concern uh, the the defense did leave a lot to be desired. Now, late in the game, in the second quarter, they really shut down Texas. They went six, five or six minutes without being able to get a field goal. Sadly, you know, during that time, uh, we also had as close to a slump as we've seen uh, so far in Big 12 play, um, at least since, you know, what, the midway point of the first half versus West Virginia. Um, we weren't able to ever get it to a point where we put the game away. You know, there's a little bit of that concern when you look at this team. We had the ability, and I, I don't know if it ever got up to 10 points, but we got to the point where we definitely could have put it away versus West Virginia. The Texas game, you know, th- th- there were some squeaky moments. You know, as uh, the Men in Blazers soccer podcast would say, there were some squeaky bum moments in that Texas game. And while it would have been better for my blood pressure to, um, you know, just completely run away, put West Virginia uh, down for the count, put Baylor down for the count, and not let Texas kind of get it within, you know, single digits there late, uh, yes. But this is where... I think Jerome Tang deserves the most credit. You truly have to, or at least the old adage is, you have to learn how to win. You have to have that foundation that you fall back on in some of these games where, hey, 
Yes, you let a team get back into it, but hey, we know how to close out the game. We know how to make the big plays and win in overtime. And while all of these guys have won at different points in their career, whether it be at a lower level uh, at uh, in college uh, with some of the transfers, whether it be during their high school, I mean, none of these guys knew what it meant to close out and get these wins versus high-quality opponents in the Big 12, uh, you know, in, in a K-State uniform. You know, the, the, the what, the only real one of these we had last year was Iowa State when, uh, on the road, when far more games uh, that came down to the wire did not go our way last year. So the fact that Jerome Tang has been able to implement and get Get this team to believe and know they can be winners is truly amazing. Talk about truly amazing. I'm going to start, and usually I like to build up to, you know, the big time player and all that type of stuff. But you have to start with Marquise Noel. And while I think Keontae Johnson is the most talented player on this team, Marquise Noel is the most important player, and it's not even close. What Marquise Noel has been able to do statistically is stuff that nobody in college basketball has has seen since Steph Curry. And Steph Curry was doing it a bunch of uh, versus you know a Division two team and a bunch of scrubs. Marquise Noel is on a tear against again. Three back-to-back-to-back top 25 teams. Back-to-back-to-back teams that are in the top 30 in the net rankings. Back-to-back teams, three back-to-backs, or at least two of them were in the top 20 in Kempom. And right when you come off this historic two-game stretch, what does Marquise Noel do? Goes over 30 again. Gets over 10 assists. He's already the career leader by a wide margin in points and assists double-doubles. And keep in mind, Marquise Noel is doing this, and we are what? About halfway through? Halfway through the first, or halfway through his second season. You know, he is going to set these assist records, almost every record in the book, only playing two years at K-State. And he is currently on pace to the Big 12's all-time leaders in assists per game. Now, if he keeps this pace, it will come down to how many games he can play in this year, how deep we go in the Big 12 tournament, in the NCAA tournament, if he's going to hit the Big 12 record for assists in a season, but this is the type of season he's having distributing the ball. You follow that up with him averaging over 30 points a game scoring in Big 12 play. Again, verse, at least in West Virginia and Texas, two of statistically the best defenses in the conference. And again, over these three games, he's averaging over 30 points in 10 assists. What Marquise Noel has been able to do 
and what he showed once again in that game versus Texas, that he has to be, and again, we're only three games through an 18-game season, but he has to be the number one with a bullet prospect for Big 12 Player of the Year. Now, can he keep this going? No, he's not going to be able to keep this, you know, averaging 30 points and 10 assists every single game. No, that would be absurd. That would be the greatest season by a point guard ever to play the game. But what he's doing right now and what he showed versus Texas is something that very well could get him into the rafters in Bramlage Coliseum. Because he is making almost every big pass. He's making big shots. He is doing everything, and he's doing it in the most entertaining fashion possible. Logo threes, got it. Circus, like, shovel pass offhand in the key trick shots in the trees as the buzzer is coming down on the shot clock yeah he's got it sports center top 10 passes yeah he got it you know and he's doing all this in the first half you know and he's the guy to hit game winning free throws he's the guy to help ice out games What Marquise Noel was able to do versus Texas was, again, one of these performances that we have never seen at K-State before. 30 points, 10 rebounds. Never been done in the history of this great and rich basketball tradition athletic department. And I'm going to have a episode I don't know how long it'll go uh, tomorrow where I talk about the legacy of Deuce Vaughn and something that we started saying you know back during the 2021 football season and I said it all this season long appreciate every game you get with Deuce Vaughn because this is going to be the last season well there's no intrigue this is it this is Marquise's Marquise Noel's super senior season there isn't even a, you know, a pipe dream that we get him to come back. And this man is having a start to a conference season that we've never seen from any point guard ever. Appreciate and cherish every game we get to see of Marquise Noel rocking the purple and the white and the lavender and the sometimes black. Because I I don't know if we will ever see a point guard who, I'm not going to say is as good as him, but I don't think we will ever see a point guard who ever has as hot of a run as we're currently seeing from Marquise Noel. Making big plays. Uh, Ironically enough, I think the only game so far this year he didn't grab a steal You know, we only grabbed four steals the entire game. And yeah, Marquise Noel didn't have one of them. Uh, But again, he is is just on another level. 14 assists to four 
turnovers. The, the, the guy was just everything and more that you, that you could have wanted. And again, the running mate that he had, Keontae Johnson. Again, if, if it wasn't for the start of conference play that Marquise Noel is having, we would all be sitting here talking about Keontae Johnson possibly being the Big 12 Player of the Year. You know, not to be un, like you know overshadowed, but in his last three games, 18, 28, and 24. This duo, at least scoring-wise, is up there with all the all-time greats. This is the closest thing we've seen to the Bill Walker, Michael Beasley scoring tandem uh, that, that we've seen since it happened. These two guys are bona fide, without a doubt, with a bullet, first team, all big 12 players. And again, we had that with Dean and, and Barry, yes. But even in that season, I don't think we ever truly were sitting here and saying, hey, these are the two best you know, they were definitely the best player at their position. Yes, I'm not trying to take anything away from those two guys. Both of them, I believe, yeah. Yeah, Barry, Barry was uh, the defensive player of the year. I believe first team All-Big 12, and that was Dean Wade's uh, second straight All-Big 12 team. But those two guys were not even in the ballpark as how dominant that Keontae and Marquise Noel have been. And that's saying something. Again, Keontae Johnson just made it look easy. I believe it was Michael Beasley um, who, who had a quote once upon a time saying, do you know how much work it takes to become this good to make it look that easy? That's what Keontae Johnson is doing out there. You know, he is so powerful, and he moves with such grace. And we saw it the entire Texas game. There was or the entire entire Baylor game. Excuse me, I keep doing that, and I apologize. Um, I mean, we've seen it in all the games. How he just glides and moves with such ease, like with poetry out there. That is how easy he makes it look because of how talented he is. I truly don't think. Pure basketball talent we have ever had anyone at this level this talented since Michael Beasley. Baylor out there has maybe the national freshman of the year. And he was. very good he was great at drawing fouls but when you watch that player or really any other opponent or any other player on k-state and try to compare it to what Keontae johnson was able to do versus baylor and what he's been able to do all season just like i said almost effortlessly get his shot almost every time and here's the best thing about Keontae and, and what makes him so special. 
uh, people of that talent sometimes tend to force stuff. Seem to say, hey, look, I want to be getting my 30 shots a game. And the ball becomes a black hole when it goes to them. You know, he, he he's like this almost in a Dean Wade way where you almost even want him to be more aggressive when he gets the ball. But what I was truly impressed by, what I was truly kind of infatuated by were some of the passes he made. Again, I think he was only credited with two assists, but he is always looking to make the correct play with the ball. And that's why I think Jerome Tang sometimes, and, and he's even he admitted it a couple times in the non-conference, sometimes he needs to make sure that he is calling plays to set up Keontae Johnson for the shot. Because again, he's, he's not the type of guy who, hey, I get the ball, I'm instantly looking for my shot. He's looking to keep the offense going, keep everything moving. He is truly a special player in the recruiting job to get him on board was second to none. And it is the difference uh, between this team probably making the tournament, being a bubble team, and us sitting here in the minute beginning of January talking about, okay, hey, we're going to be a tournament team. What's it going to take? What games do we need to make sure we win if we want to start looking at playing our way into one of these preferred seeds? If we want to play ourselves into being a top 15 team. And again, Marquise Noel is the most important player on this team. He is trending towards a legendary season in which we have never seen at K-State. Or at least it has been since I've been alive. You know, since the rebirth era. A season that we have never seen. But Keontae Johnson is the one who truly, and no pun intended, elevates this team to that next level. And we've talked about how every single game you need a third person to make sure you're scoring in the double digits. Especially when you're going to be giving up 95. And again, it was an overtime, I get it. But believe it or not, that guy was Ishmael. Now, I, I'm not gonna, you know, be the. I'm not gonna point the fingers and say, "Oh, I told you all this type of stuff with Ishmael." Because, I, I mean, I, I've had my frustrations with him. You know, I, I've been really pining for David Gasson to come back. Uh, so, Ish, like I said, would be in more of a supporting role versus being a role player role. I think I said that just on the show that got published last uh, Wednesday after the Texas game. But again, what the glory is of the 2022-23 K-State basketball team, the glory of what is happening uh, under Jerome Tang's leadership is every single game, seemingly we get that third musketeer role from someone new. And now would it be easier if you could pencil it in every single game? Hey, you're going to get 15 from Tomlin. He's not going to get in foul trouble. Or, oh, hey, Desi Sills is going to hit a few, you know, a handful of threes and he's going to have 14 points himself or Cam Carter or any of these players. 
yes, it would be a lot easier if you had that game-in, game-out third player. You know, because then, you know, especially when you look back at the archetype of our last Big 12 championship, having that fourth player be the rotation. You know, you have Cam Barry Dean, and then it's, oh, Sneed going off this game. Oh, Nicole Maywin. Oh, Cartier Jada. You know, if you if you start getting to the point where, hey, you're talking about who that fourth guy's gonna be, yeah, I don't think I, I, I don't think there's anyone in the Big Twelve that could beat us. But in the time being, having that rotating third player, it was Ishmasud's night to do it. Again, in only 17 minutes, he made the most of it, going three of four from the three-point line, four of four from the free throw. His, what would turn out to be game-winning three-point shot, again, inside out, the most pure, nothing-but-net three-pointer I have ever seen in my life. And the confidence that has been instilled in Ishmael and keep in mind, I, I, I don't know if I would go as far as saying Ish was in the doghouse, but again, Coach Tang challenged him to buy in, to be a better practice player, all this type of stuff. So for him to rise to that challenge, keep that confidence, and hit that three-pointer, absolutely massive. Again, only 17 minutes, grabbing those 13 points, three of four from three-point land, Four of four from free throw. All four massive free throws, by the way. You can't help but feel good for the guy. Especially being one of only two players to hold over. And seeing him have to play again, the position he transferred away from Wake Forest, and he's still giving you those minutes. Again, he didn't have a perfect night by any means. You know, the entire team-ish included struggled mightily rebounding the ball. And again, it almost cost us versus Baylor. Just like it almost cost us versus West Virginia. Just like it almost cost us versus Texas. But anyone who's harping on the guy after the game he played. And again, I'm on Twitter. I... I'm one of the most online people there is. I saw it. And I don't think anyone was necessary. I don't think people are wrong. You know, I I try not to go after individual players uh, too harshly on here or on Twitter. Um, But sometimes it happens. It is what it is. Um, But he ended up making massive shots. And again, that, that is another fun part about this team. Just seeing who will step up. Um, Offensively. Uh, the starters, Tomlin had nine, played 32 minutes. Egiola, uh, 25 minutes, seven. Cam Carter, seven points, 31 minutes. On the bench, we already talked about Ish, 13 and 17 minutes. Tyke Green, one of two from the field, uh, two points, and just alone three points from Desi Sills. One of four from the field, one of two from the free throw line. Um, I talked about where I had some frustration uh, rebounding the ball. Again, especially when you look at offensive rebounds, they grabbed 15, we grabbed 9. They grabbed 36 total rebounds, we grabbed 22. Um, 
it I mean it just it, it was frustrating it was frustrating and we saw it directly lead to overtime versus West Virginia in that final possession and that is where Baylor absolutely destroyed us on second chance points The other thing that almost destroyed us was, and, and honestly, if you if you look at defense as a whole, holding them to 44% from the field, 32% from three-point, that's fine. You know, it is what it is. But those second-chance points and then getting to the foul line 38 times is almost what did us in. And that has been the calling card in all the conference games. Again, if West Virginia, I mean, West Virginia could have put us away in the first 10 minutes uh, if they didn't have a horrible free throw shooting night themselves. It's what kept Texas within arm's length, allowed them to make that run. And it's the reason why this game ultimately probably went to overtime with Baylor. And I know a lot of folks are going to talk about the ticky-tack fouls, the uh, you know the flop warning that Marquise Noel got that was uh, a free uh, single free throw. I, I know folks are going to point to these individual uh, calls where it's like, oh, that wasn't a foul and it led to free throws. I get it. But when you foul as much as K-State does, when you have some of your bigs make stupid challenges. And, and again, I there have been times where they've made just dumb challenges late at the rim and just completely whiffed. Completely whiffed. Didn't get any of the ball, didn't get any of the hand, didn't get any of the arm, didn't get any of the head. But when you are making that dumb of a challenge and when you're fouling as much as we do, it, it becomes a very easy proposition for the referees to call fouls it becomes very easy for these guys to blow the whistle to make those bad calls when you are fouling you know 20 times a game when you have 20 no doubt fouls some of them being very stupid fouls it becomes very easy to tack on another eight that are just Bad calls. Really does. It's the psychology of being a referee. 100%. Now for this team to reach its full potential. For this team to get to where we're all starting to daydream a little bit about. You know. Tomlin especially needs to figure it out lack of a better term jerome tank said in the post game with wide and stan that he he doesn't trust tomlin not to foul out in the first half if, if he played you know the minutes that he would like him to and when you have your third most talented player in foul trouble basically all a big 12 play you know he, he fouled out versus baylor had four fouls versus Texas, four fouls versus West Virginia. 
You know, it, it becomes tough to get him to where his potential can be. Again, 11, 11, and 9, that is nothing to turn your nose up at with, with uh, Naquan Tomlin. Nothing to turn your nose up at. Not at all. But when you look at the amount of times you have to sit him or you have to take him out of his rhythm because of foul trouble, I mean, again, you, you have that entire, I mean, you have it all right there. Now, can he get up to speed? Can, uh, you know, by the end of February, can he be where, you know, Coach Tang, where us, the fans, want him to be defensively? So we're not having to worry about, uh, you know, having him be, you know, offense for defense basically the entire game? I don't know. And it's a shame because with that length and that athleticism, we need him to become a rim protector. We need him to be able to grab his fair share of rebounds. But he's not going to be able to do any of that uh, if he's constantly getting two fouls early in the first half and then Coach Tang and the team having to babysit his minutes the entire second half because then he picks up an early third. And ultimately in Big 12 play, at least a fourth as well. It's not just him. Uh, There's a lot of unneeded fouls um, that put them on the line. Um, and, and we just have to clean it up. Because again, we've been playing with fire when it comes to putting our opponents on the free throw line and giving second chance points. We've been absolutely playing with fire. And I don't want to, I, I do not want to get burnt. Because again, we've seen that the talent on this team, this coaching staff, has the ability for us to be playing for nets in March. You know, starting three and zero. Again, I, I'm not going. I'm not going to call us contenders quite yet. But we have shown in these three games that we have the talent, we have the coaching, and we have the ability to play with anyone in the nation. And I don't want to. I, I do not want to hand back. A loss. I don't want to hand out a loss because we just can't keep our opponents off the free throw line. But ultimately, folks, back-to-back games. That that game versus Baylor again, so emotional for Jerome Tang for his family, uh, going back to the place where he spent 19 years coaching against a guy he calls his brother, coaching against, if not the best, the second best coach in the conference. This is an incredibly great feather to put in the cap of the K-State basketball program so far. And as we're going to be looking at our phones at Twitter at noon tomorrow, uh, these two wins should see us have a monumental rise from unranked to ranked. We're going to see how the team responds to that. I'm not going to get into... Any of the Twitter stuff about, you know, coming out from former players, some of the assistant coaches, family members of the players. I'm not going to get into the whole, it's not even drama, whatever it was on Twitter, um, talking about filling the place up. It is going to be filled up. Are are we going to get the 11,000 tickets sold um, to call it a sellout? I have no idea. Um... Are there going to be pockets of empty seats? 110% there are. 
uh, 6 p.m. on a Tuesday night um, is tough for so many people. But it is going to be an electric atmosphere. It is going to be the closest to a doomy type atmosphere uh, since, I mean, Iowa State last year and the KU game last year. Yeah, it was close. It was close. Uh, I, I think this is an atmosphere we probably would not have seen since that final game of the Big 12 championship uh, versus Oklahoma where we cut down nets, where we saw the confetti fall right there on our home floor beating Oklahoma. I truly believe it is going to be that sort of atmosphere. Uh, and that, that's going to be tough to achieve. Students still a week out from coming back. I get it. Um, but it, it's going to be close. I, I think it truly will be uh, as close to a true octagon of doom uh, since that Oklahoma game. And Oklahoma State, you know, they already took KU to the wire. They are a team, again, <laughs> there is... There's no nights off in the Big 12. Oklahoma State is 9-6, but again, they played Texas to the wire. They played KU to the wire. They beat West Virginia by 7. You know, they, they what? They dropped to UConn, who's a top 10 team. Dropped to Virginia Tech, who's a salty team. Yeah, they had a hiccup early versus Southern Illinois, whatever. Inverse UCF. But this is a team who is projected to be a tournament team. This is a team that is uber talented. You look up and down their roster, they have what? Let me pull it up. Two guys in double figures. Three more guys averaging over eight. Bryce Thompson is legitimately a contender for all Big 12. This is not going to be an easy game by any means. You know, when you talk about rebounding, you talk about, you know, paint protection, Cisse is going to be a problem at 7 1, 2 15. It is going to be a, it would be a great game to find a renewed fire when it comes to uh, rebounding the ball. That's going to be massive. And I, we'll talk about it on the live show, uh, but I won't have a true sit down show before once again, <laughs> we're going back on the road to Texas versus what will be a top 15 TCU team. You know, TCU has that win over Baylor, had a heartbreaking home loss to Iowa State, and how annoying is it that fucking Iowa State, oh my gosh, TJ Otts turned out to be a good hire. It's annoying. I'm annoyed by that. But they took care of Texas Tech. They have been hot all season long. What, they had a weird loss to Northwestern State early in the year? That was a shocking loss, yes. But again, you talk about big contenders for Big 12 Players of the Year. You know, Mike Miles Jr., him and Marquise Noel going head-to-head. You know, he, he's he's averaging 20 points a game, three assists, two steals. That's going to be a wild one. 
You have Emmanuel Miller, who's also scoring 13. You have Damian Bowe, up around 12. You have O'Bannon at 8. Peavy at 7. Lampkin at 7. Coles at 7. Again, they are going to be a team that has a much deeper bench than we do. They're going to be a team that, uh, again, it's, I hate to say it, almost a look-ahead spot because then you have KU on that following Tuesday. Um, but this is a very scary game. This is a, th- th- that is a game that I'm going to be, I'm not going to be worried about any game. Um, but that, that's a game that I, I think is going to be very tough at 1 p.m. on Saturday. So we'll see what happens. Again, hell, we, we win these next two games. I might be sitting here talking to you guys next Monday, talking about how uh, we are contenders for the Big 12. Uh, but regardless, it's going to be another fun week of Big 12 basketball. Uh, the other games on Tuesday, Texas Tech at Iowa State, tipping off at 7. Then Oklahoma going to Kansas, 8 p.m., so... Uh, you know, anyone leaving Bramlage Coliseum, uh, driving back to Kansas City, will be able to listen to a little bit of that. Maybe Oklahoma goes for the upset bid in Allen Fieldhouse after the post-game radio show wraps up Stan and Wyatt. Wednesday, Baylor going to West Virginia and another good one, 8 p.m. on Wednesday, TCU at Texas. The slate on Saturday, K-State at TCU, 1 p.m., 11 a.m., uh, West Virginia, Oklahoma, Iowa State going to Allen Fieldhouse, 3 p.m. on ESPN+. Oklahoma State at Baylor and Texas Tech at Texas. The Oklahoma State-Baylor game at 5 p.m. and our game versus TCU at 1 p.m. are either going to be on ESPN, ESPN2, or ESPNU. I think we will see an announcement about that today if you're listening to it on Monday. That's about all I have, folks. Um, I'm excited. I can't wait to be in Bramlage Coliseum on Tuesday. Um, I can't wait to be in Bramlage Coliseum and maybe a couple away games uh, all season long. This is going to be a fun game. Jerome Tang and this staff have hit the ground running even better uh, and faster than I ever could have expected. I hope all of you are enjoying this. I hope everyone... Uh, you know, is you know, if you want to get into Bramlage Coliseum, I hope you can. Again, uh, you know, there, there's no game in which you know, outside of the KU game, in which tickets are crazy expensive. So, if you want to get into Bramlage, um, whether it be on the K State website or secondary sites, I'm sure uh, you're going to have the opportunity to. And folks, it's a fun time. It's a fun time inside Bramlage Coliseum. And again, uh, I think it's getting pretty doomy. Um, again, the KU game, the Texas game, the Iowa State game, uh, and I think the Texas Tech game and close on the Florida game and close on the Iowa State game um, are sellouts through K-State. But again, go to StubHub, go to SeatGeek, go to Tickets for Less. There will be tickets, affordable tickets uh, that you can get your hands on. So that's all we have. Again, I, I hope you guys are as pumped over the moon um, about Jerome Tang and this team as I am. Uh, again, we're, we're seeing stuff we've never seen before at K-State from Marquise Noel. We're seeing, you know, truly elite-level basketball skill from Keontae Johnson um, and so many other exciting role players as well. Um, it's been a long time since it's been this exciting to be a K-State Wildcat. 
uh, during basketball season. So I hope you guys are enjoying the ride. Um, and yeah, we'll talk to you soon. As always, feel free to tweet at Bosco's Boys, at Scott Wildcat, if you want to talk about anything. If you want to make fun of me for continually saying Texas instead of Baylor, hey, I'm a I'm a good sport 90% of the time. So uh, feel free to badger me a little bit. Let me know what you think. Do you think we're going to see? Let me know this. This will be the question that you guys can all tweet at me. Do you think we're going to see a player uh, emerge as the number three option game in, game out? Let me know your thoughts. Uh, That's all we have. So for all K-State fans everywhere, for the best dog in the world, Chauncey, we love you guys and go Cats. It's time to get set for the cat attack. You can feel it coming on for Kansas State. The feeling's growing strong. You can join in the action. This is where you want to be with Kansas State. Come on, set your spirit free. Kansas State, our pride is with the cats. Kansas State, come on, join the cat attack. Kansas State, excitement's in the air. Podcast Network.